You are listening to the Valiant 33 podcast with Mike and Stu. to do it so so we're not all wearing pants that's the thing no i'm not wearing pants okay so mike you want to bring back uh call mike no no there's a one-time thing okay. soft rock mike i want soft yeah. rock no soft rock mike is only for when people are freaking out and they need just like a calming voice to settle them down nobody's freaking out right now because we just won two in two in a row well sort of I'll I'll do my nerdy thing later on about that because Dale Johnson let me know that uh, specifically it was not a win. Yeah, but it's two points. Yep, we got, no, it's still... we got points. Yeah, I know, but we got points. Yeah. We got we won the Open Cup and we took points from a league yeah. game, so we're not at the bottom anymore. Yeah, I think we're in eighth. Well, technically, with a win, we could jump up to like right yeah. below the playoff spot too. So yeah, we just need to do a bunch of. Uh... Bunch of goals. That's our big problem right now. Is everyone Goal else has lost? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else has lost like one goal. All right, Stu, you do the intro. Oh Jesus. Um. So welcome to the. Oh, also, just before we start, so try to cut down the interruptions. Just put your hand up if you want want to say something. And yeah. I'll just I'll show my balls. That means I want to talk. So, welcome to the Valiant 33 podcast. We got Mike, I'm Stu, and special guest Scott from his uh, compound in uh, New England. Yeah, Martha's Vineyard. Fancy. So, we had, a, we had a big few days for the boys. First, we won against Lansdowne Yonkers, and then we won a penalty shootout against Chicago Fire next to move up the table. Not in last anymore, so that, that's always a good thing. Our, our R&Y won the, won the Open Cup game 1-0 off a of Rio 45. 45th plus four minute goal off a nice assist from Debella. Really nice connection. <laughs> Was he a sub? Debella's. Oh, I just made a Debella's joke down here because we it's a law firm down here, apparently. Oh, is it? Okay. I was going to say, yeah. is it a new sponsor of Toasted Bear? Yeah, what's Toasted Bear opening? I have no fucking idea, to be honest with you. It might be uh, end of this month. But yeah, they they still are a sponsor. 
They're just closed right now. Yeah, refurbishing. So now into some more specific notes about the game. I'm going to throw this over to Mike since he has a much better memory for all this than I do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so the the main thing that I noticed was the uh, start, like the the midfield trio of Dolabella, Costa, and Rayo. Um, the interplay between them was really nice. I kind of like, and they were kind of the spine of the team, um, especially in attack. I like Dolabella playing a pseudo Regista role because he does have that killer instinct and he makes a lot of attacking passes. Costa, he's starting to show that he loves that backheel pass, and I love when he does it. And he does add uh, dynamicism to our attack, and I like him in an advanced role. And Rayo, that kid just had blood in his eyes all game, and I'm happy he he got a score because he definitely deserved it. Up front, Pop started this game, and his game is he makes a lot of clinical runs, and defenders really have to worry about him all game. And he, he tends to play from the right, which... I kind of like because Inalien has a tendency to drift out to the left. And I do like him in that wide role as almost like a second striker. Um, so I, I just liked how that front attacking core all kind of handled themselves in that game. I've been really impressed with Pop and the creativity he has. It's just, you watch the promo videos that the players have and Everyone looks great. I'm sure you can make a promo video of my uh, one year of indoor, and I would look like I actually knew what the hell I was doing, and the reality was I didn't. But he's really impressed me with where he's come from and, and what he's been able to do. Ole, 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 ole. Hey, ole. Preston, pop, pop, pop. Preston, pop, pop, pop. I could hear that through the uh, telecast last week. It was amazing. Um, so just to give you guys a kind of heads up here, I'm, I'm coming kind of towards more of a, a casual fan, fan outlook here. You know, I don't watch the YouTube clips like you guys do and look at their past history. I kind of just show up and watch the games. Um, so I'm kind of coming to everyone uh, as like a casual supporter, um, someone who just watches the games and knows the chance and whatnot. And uh, Preston Pop has really impressed me so far. Like you were saying, his runs off the ball seems to create more opportunities for the team. And I guess my question to you guys would be, like, why isn't – I just don't understand why he's not playing more. Is it, like, a fitness thing? Or, you know, he started the U.S. Open Cup, but it seems to be coming on as, like, a super sub more often. I think he should be. Um, I, I First couple games of the season, I think Bruno's just trying to figure out what ingredients he has in this soup. I, I mean, like I said before, I like him up top as the pure number nine. Um, I know we had an alien up top starting as the nine, but that doesn't necessarily play to the strengths of his game from what I've seen. He's more of a setup guy. He's more of a LeBron or Wilt Chamberlain than a uh, Jordan. That's a basketball reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because my, I mean, we'll get more into it later, but my big complaint has been the uh, with with the games thus far, um, they're obviously getting better every game, but it's kind of that creativity in the upper third. Um, and it seems like when pop comes on they create a lot more and i don't know if that's just them settling into the game or if it's him kind of creating some open runs and opportunities for people but it's something i've noticed you know as a casual observer the thing i've noticed i think from him is he just doesn't give up on the play which especially if you come in on a sub it feels like sometimes they have the oh i've only got to run for 20 minutes so i'm just going to go for this and maybe something happens there were it felt like a couple times there were 
almost goals that happen because they they push the goalkeeper that much harder. Yeah, I, I, I think that might be part of it. Where sometimes some of the other starters just kind of. Well, I think I think so. I I think what makes his style effective is that that back line has to stay has to keep an eye on him basically because he's looking to make that cut, um, and that gives space in front of that line for. You know, we had Rayo cutting in from the right. He likes to cut in. Um, he also ended up over on the left side a couple of times. And really, I think the success that he had in the Lansdowne game was a big part because of Will and Alien drifting wide to the left and, and stretching that back line. So as far as, you know, Costa's back heels, are we going to start saying like Ole every time he does it? Well, if he keeps doing it every game, we might have to. But I think he's kind of cemented himself as the the number 10 um dolabella and uh giallo are i mean we we played a 4-2-3-1 it seems to be one of the go-to lineups and i do like them as a double pivot uh back there and dolabella does like to get forward a little bit so i I mean we're we're starting to see kind of how things are are playing out as far as as lineups go we can it's only going to get better the longer these guys play together yeah, I, I think that's one one aspect that we're definitely seeing is that the late arrival of a bunch of the players, the fact that their coach didn't show up until a week before the season started, they definitely started on the back on the back foot. And each game, you're you're seeing some sort of some part of the game is getting that much better. There may be some steps back. Every game, we're seeing them improve in some way. Yeah, there's a lot of variables to that Lansdowne lineup where it's hard to pinpoint why certain people looked better in that game. And a big part of it could be because we were playing, you know, uh, an amateur team. I mean, no disrespect to them, but I mean, we dominated that game as far as possession goes. And as far as just watching it, even if you're not paying attention to anything, I mean, we were in their half pretty much the entire game. I I don't know if it was that, or it's just the the specific lineup that they had out, but I don't know. I, I mean, and we pretty much kept that lineup in the next game too. Well, that was, that was my thought. Mike was maybe, you hate to say it, but they're a pro professional team and they're playing kind of an amateur team. And did they kind of go into it a little uh, lighthearted? You hate to say that, but, you know, they are still getting used to playing with one another. And I think they might have looked at it, whereas maybe looking ahead to Chicago later in the weekend or possibly the first home openers kind of, you know, we know we all know how that can go sometimes. So I, I definitely felt that they were. Once they got that one goal, they took a step back, and it was more let's let's do some let's do some plays, let's hold on to possession, let's not give up the goal, but not push too hard for that second goal, even knowing that would kill the game. But let's just play it out, see how we do. I, I don't think that there was that killer instinct at the end, just because they didn't need to, but they knew that they had a game in four days. Well, they did control uh, defensively; they had control of that game. I like. Reese and Batista as the center back pairing. Reese spent most of that game up in the midfield. Like I secretly know that he really wants to be a midfielder. Uh, I didn't see him make a bad pass or bad decision all game. And I think he compliments Batista really well. Were you guys at all worried? I know I, I kind of was when we were hitting injury time at halftime and no goals. It seemed like we'd had a lot of opportunities and we just couldn't finish. And I was starting to think that's kind of a theme with us. So it's kind of getting worried. Are they going to, you know, freak out come second half? This thing's still 0-0 and it gets late. 
for a potential upset. You think, I mean, how, how what was the feeling in the stadium, I guess? Cause I was at work kind of streaming it and I know uh, Mike was there. The, the feeling was that it was, it was an eventuality that we were going to score. I don't think anybody was thinking at that point, it's going to be two, nothing, three, nothing. I think one, nothing, everybody would have taken it at that point, And it did eventually happen. Um, because I mean, I don't want to keep saying it, but we did dominate that game and there was a lot of chances on that. I don't necessarily think everybody thought it was going to come from open play. I think we were thinking a corner or a set piece, but as far as finishing as a problem, it still is a problem. It's, it's a breakdown right at the, that final moment that we just can't cash in for whatever reason. And the chances are there. I mean, the setups are there. It's just the finishing itself. Because you you look at that game, the Lansdowne game, Batiz had a, a chance in, I think, the 62nd minute. If he puts that ball literally anywhere else, it's 2 nothing, and the game's tucked away. And then I don't want to get ahead too far to Chicago, but there was another opportunity there where it was 1v1 on the keeper. Not Batiz, it was an alien. And same thing, you put it literally anywhere else, and it's one nothing. And I think that was the 75th minute. So finishing still is a problem. Yeah, it's been a worry of mine as well, Mike. I mean, just like, as I said earlier in the podcast, like that offensive third, it just it seems like they're like kicking a right of the keeper or off the post. I don't know if it's unlocked, if it's just bad luck or um, just maybe some nerves starting the new league. It just seems to be a struggle and we need a finisher. So I think there's a lot of those passes that are going five yards too far. And then once those happen and the players know I've got three chances this game to make this shot. I think that's part of the big problem right now is that they've had that shot twice before and it's the ball's just gone too far. Now this is their shot and they get nervous because this is the only time I've got it and then it doesn't go where they want it to go. So I think as those as the link up play gets that much better, I think that's the that's the big area that we need to work on is we've got finishers. They all have a history of being able to finish. It's that play right before the finish that we need to get better at. I think that, you know, also just, you know, finally getting some points and, you know, scoring a couple goals is a big um, burden off their shoulders. You know, getting that first point on the table really helps or the first win with the U.S. Open Cup. But, I mean, I you know, I was going to say even the game, uh, their second game there, when they scored the first goal, they felt like the shot was even right at the keeper. You know, it was kind of lucky to bounce in. It was a good development play, but I just hope that – I'm hoping with time, you know, they'll just – the rust will come off and they'll start finishing. I don't know. Can we can we blame this on the league as well? Maybe the camera was kind of burning our angle up there and we're, miss, we're, we're not seeing it right? Well, there's no way to tell because <laughs> there's one angle and it's 8,000 miles away. I think, uh, I mean, it could be a a turf situation. Some of the guys who played in college, they pretty much play on turf, so they're used to it. I guess it depends on the college. Um, but then a lot of these guys coming from overseas, you know, might not be used to playing on turf. It's something that I think they're just going to have to adapt to in the speed of the turf and hopefully be able to turn that into a home field advantage at some point. Yeah, I'm hoping they can start training there because that left side of the turf was crazy fast. It just, I don't know what was happening, but that side of the field was just ridiculous. 
if we can turn that into the home field advantage, just like Frontier Field was the home field advantage in the 90s and early 2000s, I think that could be huge over the summer, knowing how to make that link-up play work that much better. And I think they should be able to start training there in a month or so once the uh, MCC is done. Speaking of that, Stu, as I said, I didn't make the game, but Mike, how is the stadium look? The picks look amazing with the new seats. and uh, Yeah, the the stands are really nice. Um, they're not 100% done yet, but I walked over there and I you know, took a couple sneaky pictures. But uh, you're going to be happy with them when you see them. Once everything comes together and the food trucks are there, the beer tent is there, people are in the, the new stands, you're going to kind of, I mean, I know a lot of people like to, to talk shit and be like, oh, you're playing in college, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it. Like when we were at that game, you could already tell, like, it doesn't really feel like we're playing at a college. So when everything comes together, it's going to feel like a nice little stadium. I, it, it, you're close to the field. Uh, everybody is kind of, you know, right next to each other. I don't, I don't know if we were just really loud or it's an acoustic thing, but I mean, if you watch the stream, you could hear how loud it was there. Everybody can hear you when you, you yell something. I was pleasantly surprised. Kind of, I kind of told some of you guys that were going to the game, like, don't have high expectations because my thought is they're aiming for April 23rd to be kind of like the big reveal with the kits and the food trucks and MCC in general. But it seems like there was a good turnout there. Um, just for the one side, you can hear you guys in the broadcast. It showed some views, and it seems like there was a good turnout just even for that, like, a 4 o'clock game on a weekday. Yeah, it was a shitty weather weekday, and, I mean, the turnout was, yeah, probably 250, 300. By the second half, first half was slow just because people haven't gotten out of work yet. The way that it's set up and the way it's trending, we are going to have, like, a 12th man home field advantage, which is good to see. So by two, yeah. you meant, like, um, we'll probably be announced as 880 at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then no announcement the next game. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. The other thing I want to bring up, still no Rex. There was not a whiff of Rex at that game. I mean, I, I cosplayed, cosplayed as Rex for the first game. So, uh... Well, we have the emergency plan behind glass. We might have to break soon. I heard you had some offspring that was um, birthed out of wedlock <laughs> that might be appearing at the opening match. The heir of Rex, yes. I mean, the one other thing I want to say is I do like Davis Smith coming on as that as that sub because it switches up. Pop's got the quick runs between the lines, and it switches up to an aerial threat when Davis Smith comes on, and I do like that kind of switch up. I, I did like his response to your uh, song on Twitter. Oh, uh, he's big, he's strong, he's got a massive dong, Davis Smith. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, uh, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. And for those who aren't aware, he's six seven, which is just ridiculous. And you could tell when he runs out of that field. He goes on there to do a job, which is to just tower over fucking people. And he does it. Anything else about the game, or are we good? I mean, I guess the other sub was, was Batiz, and he came on late, and he did have that chance. But like I said before... He, you know, he puts that literally anywhere but the keeper's feet and, and it's in. But he did get into the position to to have that opportunity. So that is positive. Oh, yeah. And the keeper was uh, Ijimadu. He got the tap for this game. And uh, he wasn't called on too much during the course of the game. 
which I think speaks to the defense. But he did handle everything that came his way pretty comfortably. Um, and it was good to just see him get the start and, and get put in the mix. Yeah, and I just want to do a little shout-out for Vanneker because I felt like he had a, a much better game than the first two games. That uh, He's definitely getting back into his element, That what we're expecting from a, a cl- Club Rouge product. Yeah, I agree. I think he did do a lot better this game. Um, he, he did give up a cheap foul in the 22nd minute, but I think he made up for it because he was a part of that Rayo goal. Um, maybe not directly, but I did notice that that he held up that center back, which allowed Rayo to make that cut into his right and score that goal. And he did do good work uh, on that lands down left mid because he stayed really high up the field and it gave Batista and Reese uh, a lot of space to work with, which was good to see. So bravo, Milan. Yeah, I think the defense did look good. I, you know, I, I kind of took it into account what it was. They're an amateur team, and they should be keeping them off the board. Uh, I was really not pleased with the um, New England game. And some, some of those goals, I mean, what was the one we thought was offsides? Was that Vanneker in the back the, there? The, thir- the third one. Yeah, um, just it's hard to t- it's hard to tell who <laughs> was potentially keeping him on because the camera is fucking shit. I but still think, we don't need to get into that right now. I, th- I still think he was onside, but it just it kind of looked if you look at like the still picture of kind of just them being lost. It seems like they're becoming more organized, which is good. I was kind of hesitant to say that, you know, as it being just like an amateur team. But looking forward to Chicago, we saw some better placement of things. Yeah, so out of the Chicago Fire Next Pro, which I think it's just Chicago Fire Next. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell with some of these teams. 0-0 tie went to PKs, which RNY won 5-6 after each team had missed a pen, and then um, Kake got the, the final save. And uh, His last name changes every time you say it. <laughs> until he tells me different, we'll... Uh, We'll just keep on changing and see which one sticks. So, obviously, one of the aspects of Next Pro is they're not ending in ties. Uh, we've already referenced Ted Lasso, so we won't, won't do that again. But this actually isn't new. Um, after asking some people on Twitter and then getting some very xenophobic uh, comments from English people about how shit it is that the Americans are not ending in ties, uh, Dale Johnson from ESPN let them know that EFL Trophy since at least 2016 has been not ending in ties. The only thing is not to be a party pooper, but even though we did get two points, it still counts as a draw statistically. So we're still looking for our first win. So I'll just say while we're on that topic, I when, when they first announced the you know penalty kicks as kind of ending a, a draw in these matches, I kind of wasn't for it. But after watching that match on Sunday, I really think it is a positive for the league. And it might be something that other leagues may look into because you're sitting there as a casual fan. Like if someone's watching a zero zero draw, they're kind of like, did I just waste, you know, two hours? Whereas you're getting kind of a exciting aspect added to the end of the game. I also like that you're not taking away that point from the drawing team. You're just giving an extra point to the winner of the shootout. My only argument would be it's, it kind of takes a long time. Um, I was watching on my phone. I think I was sitting there like. 30 minutes with my son waiting for these PKs to, <laughs> to get over with. You know, my wife's like, I thought the game was over. I was like, well, no, now there's PKs. So we're sitting there watching it. Um, so I'd argue maybe could we like take it down to 
three shooters or something like that. And I know that's not traditional, but um, I think the NHL does that. They go to the shootout and do three shooters, you know, but if it's like the playoffs, they'll do five shooters. Um, just to kind of shorten it because it takes forever. Do it like uh, free throws in the NBA. Just put all the players on on the out, outside of the line and then uh, make it so they're not running halfway down the field, which just takes way too long. There's no reason that the players need to be that far away. It's actually a good point. It would add kind of a stress level if, like, the, you know, if someone steps inside the 18, it's a foul and he gets to reshoot or something like that, you know? Yeah, just make it just make it just a banter fest and put put a camera right at right at the dot. And uh, well, I think the just, camera would be on the other end of the field, probably following. Um, well, sorry, put 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 the microphone there so that we can we can at least hear what the what's happening. No, yeah, cause no, no one's doing anything with the camera. This is MLS Next Pro. We've got one camera and that's all we're ever getting. That doesn't count as the rant, by the way. We're going to do that later. Yeah. Uh, there'll be a rant on that. Well, we got two points out of it, so I like it right now. <laughs> when we lose a PK shootout, I'm going to hate it. Well, but, I mean, I mean it, it, you're right, Scott, you're right. From a fan perspective, it's it's great because we were all at the bar watching, and if it just ended 0-0, we would have been like, oh, okay, that's it. But we were all huddled around the TV trying to watch the PKs as good as we could, and then when we won, everybody fucking went off, and it was a good time. So I, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. And I have a feeling that these little two-point jumps or this little extra point jump at the end of the season is going to mix things up as far as who gets into the playoffs and who doesn't. Yeah, it adds an extra element of kind of fun as well as in the standings. You know, I hate to reference hockey again, but it happens in hockey. You know, they changed it a few years ago where you get two points versus um, one point for the overtime. So... It, it it adds a little thing, you know, will people play for draws and things like that late in the season? I'm interested to see, you know, MLS Next Pro is supposed to be experimental anyway, so I think they're kind of experimenting with this to see do fans like it, you know, how much time does it take, things like that. Yeah, they definitely took it from hockey, so that's not a problem at all. I'm sure EFL Trophy took it from hockey as well because, I mean, we saw over the weekend at a certain point in games you – Teams will just be like, okay, we're just going to go for a tie. But now they know that, well, the other team can still get a can still get an extra point. So we need to push that a little bit more because it's not just getting, oh, sharing the points, getting two, getting one point each. It's well, they could still go above the, go above us on the table. Yeah, and I know we were a little bit hard on Kaiki last time, um, but he showed up this game and he made a lot of big saves. And as far as the PKs go you can tell that PKs are kind of his specialty. I mean, he saved two of them. In the St. Louis game, he got a hand on the one uh, on the one pen. Didn't, didn't keep it out, but he guessed the right way. But going forward, once he hits his stride, like I think he's now doing, if we go into a PK, we have the advantage with him. Yeah, I was one of those people who really was down on him after the first two matches. <laughs> I think everyone... Who- even as far to say as should we bench this guy? Should we try someone else? Because it seemed like he was doing okay, but I think Mike, it was you who said he, we haven't seen him make like a really good save thus far. Um, and then he was set up with that opportunity in St. Louis and he guessed the right way. And it just seemed like it went right through his hand and he should have saved it almost. So 
it was good to see him finally have a good game, a breakout game, so to speak. Kind of get that off his chest. So I'm a believer now after the Chicago game. You know, I am um, a little too quick to judge, I should say, and I should keep my faith in my players, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I definitely – I'll admit I was feeling a little bit similar. There, there were a couple soft goals. This game was definitely the first where we saw him just show what he's capable of. He had some really big saves, and that's good to see. It's good to see progress. It's good to see why the team signed him, and that's what we saw this game. Yeah, he had a game where he added to his highlight reel uh, is, is the best way to put it. 18th minute, he had a big one-handed save where he was in a 1v1 situation, and he pushed it wide. He, he had another big save later in the game where it was a long shot, but who knows? It, it could have dipped below the bar. He reached up, pushed it over the top, and then he had the two uh, PK shootout saves. So there was never really a point in that game where I felt unsafe in his hands when he was in that, which was, I guess, comforting. <laughs> well, I'm going to disagree there because I, I think I texted you guys. It was like, it must have been like the fifth or sixth minute. They kind of had a cross and he bobbled one right at the beginning. And I was like, oh God, here we go again. But he kind of settled in and then started having a great game. And he actually was the player of the match. So, but um, I got really nervous. It was, it almost looked like he was bobbling it into the goal. And we were going to have one of those. Uh, what, are the, what do they call those? Not Galazzo. It was uh, Howler. It's called a Howler, right? Howler. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Howler. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I must have been in the bathroom for that one. I missed that. <laughs> like Green did for England against USA in 2010. All right. Yeah. Well, outside of the keeper. Um, I guess the, well, the only it's thing... hard for us. It's hard for us to say because there's no replay. So oh. all our all our comments uh, last about the the last game were helped by the fact that we were able to re rewatch the game if we wanted. This one we saw it once, and for me it was the third soccer game I'd seen that day. So it's a little tough sometimes to concentrate, and then there's no replay. We barely saw it once. That's for later, but yes. <laughs> Not too. We got to keep the suspense up, guys. This is why people are listening to us. Now, did I, I? I think I saw right. You know, I was over here in New England, but I think Mike. Did you say a couple of the players showed up to watch the game with you guys? Yeah, um, Ed Williams and Paulo Soros showed up. Um, I guess they didn't make the trip over, but it was nice to see the players come out. Um, is that for injury reasons? You know, or just. Uh, I think just they didn't travel. Okay. I was just curious. As far as I know, I don't know. They didn't look hurt. They ate two burrito bowls, so they look pretty healthy to me. What sort of soda do they like? W ones without vodka in it. I offered, and they stayed strong. They didn't take anything, so. It passed the test, man. Test passed. What um, what's what's their sign? Their what? Their like, zodiac sign. I don't. I I don't know. I, Stu, I would look it up. Conversations. I would say from from Suarez's uh, Instagram, he he's I think he's on the mend right now. We did see Ed Williams destroy the bathroom in St. Louis right before his flight. So, <laughs> wasn't it him who said to you, Mike? I absolutely hate pins as an Englishman. Yeah, <laughs> that went right over my head because at that point I wasn't able to fucking comprehend why. But then if I brought up Italy, it would just you know because they're out of the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I would so have self-burned myself. You guys had a great picture afterwards outside the pub. 
uh, with the boys. And then here's Mike to the side. If you haven't looked at it, go, it's all over the internet. But Mike's over there on the side with just a ketchup bottle, a Jenny, and a vape pen. I'm just yeah. kind of confused. It was like a random ketchup bottle out there. On the curb. Listen, you don't got to know Mike. about it. Yeah, you don't got to know. You don't worry about it. It's Dirty Mike <laughs> and the boys. That's all you got to know. So you had a soup kitchen there. Mm-hmm. If you got a Prius, we'll party in it. Um. We already talked about the 75th minute one on one chance for an alien, or did we? I did earlier, but oh, yeah. And then the well, the we, we, could, we could we could talk about it again. It was it was in their half in uh, Chicago's half. Jalo picked whoever his fucking name is his pocket, dished it off to an alien, and he was in a one v one. Just a finishing problem. I, I hate to keep hammering on this, but it was a one v one, and it's. You put it anywhere else, and it's a goal, and we don't even have to go to pens. For me, this is one of those situations that I'd really like him to go old school, and rather than go for the shot, just if the keeper's just going to stand there, just go go around him. Just try to just pass it either way left or way right, so you just avoid them completely, and then you have an open net. Those shots, keepers have gotten so good at making their bodies so big for that shot that it feels like one-on-ones in that situation, the keeper's going to keep it out 90% of the time. Well, even with the shitty camera work of this fucking MLS next pro robot, you could tell you, you put that near post it's in like it's, you know, if you go across his body, he's got more, more of a chance to save it, but near post was open. You just slot that and you don't even have to put any loft on it. Just on the ground, slot it in. Maybe just aim at the keeper, and then you know you're gonna miss it by a little bit, so it'll go past him. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. That always worked for me in rec league. Well, I mean, but other than that, I, we we didn't have as many shots on goal as the previous game. Chicago actually outshot us, 18 shots to three shots. They just all their shots got blocked or they were off target. They just sprayed the net. We had more quality shots on that. I think it was two on target and just one off target. But of those two shots, it, you would, you, I mean, I guess you would just like to see more shots on that. So it was a step back in that regard. I guess as far as like midfield play and defensively, it was a step forward. It just seems that when one part of the team take makes a step forward, another one goes back. It's not a unified step forward. It, it was, uh, it, yeah, it, it feels like we've either got. The attacking and midfield great, and the defense falls behind, or the midfield and defense is great, and the offense isn't where we want it to be. But if you bet me money on how many shots Chicago had, I would not say 18. It felt like way less than that, and I think there was one point where I went crap, and it was probably that fifth minute chance that almost happened, but I wasn't really that impressed by that most of the game. Well, that's the thing is we don't know how accurate this website is. And judging by the camera work, the website is probably completely wrong. Now's the time to get into the camera work, Grant. I started last week. I'll let someone else. Scott, you're the guest. You start first. Okay. I mean, I was watching on my mobile device, as I said, and I thought it was just my feed. Something was wrong. Half the time it felt like there was an earthquake going on because it was kind of bouncing. So I was like, is the crowd, you know, so loud that it's bouncing the camera? And then you realize that there's only like 100 people there. So that can't be it. That's generous. Um, <laughs> what, are, are they... 80 was what I think it was 880 was what's a uh, 
Gonna MLS that. website. Yeah, so. it was 880 people. <laughs> Their scanners went down at the door so they can get the full count. Uh, of course. You look at it, and I think they are using some sort of robotic technology. And I know it's an experimental thing, but obviously it's not working. I mean, there would be an opportunity in the box, and it's drifting back to midfield. I mean, the only thing you got to look at as a league is the penalty shootout. And the player's walking up, he set the ball down, and the camera is panning back to the players at midfield. And it's like you can't have someone in there just holding the camera steady. Like, it's it's not working. Just You don't have to send a crew, send one person to sit there, and if it's doing things like that, hold the camera or have someone right there with the remote, you know, not be in New York City at the league offices, which is what I think they're doing. Um, I don't think the announcer or the cameraman are on site, so... It's very frustrating, especially, as you said, when that's the only way we can watch. There's no other feeds of any sort or replays. So, I, I mean, I could go on. I can go on and on. Just one of you all say something. Well, the, the camera work is one of many problems. At the, the whole start, I think it was the first. Actually, I might have missed that thing in the fifth minute because the screen was buffering. The graphic, the, the graphic quality dropped. Frames were dropping. It was buffering. Not to mention that when you make the thing full screen, like, okay, so we have the watch party at the bar. We have to go through a browser on a, a fire stick. It's not even on an app. You, you open up the browser, you make it full screen, and then there's a black bar at the bottom of it that just won't go away because that's somehow programmed into it. Even on mobile, there's just a black bar at the bottom of the screen. And then the camera itself, when it's not showing the actual game and what's happening when you do see what's going on, it's 80,000 fucking miles away. You can't tell who's who. Like I, I, I had to go and I had to actually screenshot some of the, the highlights and zoom in and sharpen it up on Photoshop. So I could see the number of the player that did something because I have no fucking idea. The only good news is that the home opener on April 23rd is the game of the week. So it will be humans behind the cameras. And it will be the same quality as the St. Louis game, which was miles better than anything that we're getting right now. The PK for me was the biggest issue because everything else, maybe they're working on in the background. Maybe they just aren't telling anyone because that somehow makes things better when you just come out with a much better product without telling anyone that you're working on this. When the camera was freaking out during after after the game or right before the PKs, I was like, we're we're not going to see any of these because it was just it went from left to right to left to right. All it requires is someone to just lock it in. It takes two seconds. Just lock it in. Don't even care about zooming it in. It can be from 80 million miles away like it is right now. Just lock it fucking in. We missed the second goal because it decided to watch something over. I mean, there was no one there, so I don't know what the hell it was catching up on, but the technology isn't there and it feels like something that it's fine for i think the main feed camera but put two as we said last week put two college kids with an iphone and have them just follow what they want and switch to it when they need to let's let's get replaced something crazy like that and why i mean like why do you even need to pan back to the guys in midfield like you said lock it in no one cares about the guys waiting unless you got cameras down in the field, just lock it in on what's going on. And I can tell the reason I could tell the announcer was not there is because he had no idea who was taking the penalties. He's like, uh, looks like the visitors are going to shoot on the host now. And it's no clue because he couldn't even see the number of the guy shooting. 
he, he couldn't tell who the other team was. That's why he kept on saying home side and visitor. Like that's the that's the worst part for me is that I like it, Mike and I have done broadcasts and it's difficult with visiting teams when you have no idea who anyone is. But we at least say who the fucking team is. Don't say oh the visitors. It's like come on, it's the it's the only team in this league that fucking matters. Listen, it's an underlying problem. If if you're neutral and you tuned into this game, there is no reason for you to watch any other game in this league ever again. Because if the broadcaster doesn't even know the fucking name of the teams who are playing, what like what what are we doing? What what are we actually doing with this league? It's not good enough. So I haven't been on the previous pods with you guys, but I mean this has been kind of one of my fears with this league. Is I'm willing to give it a chance and I think it's gonna take some time, but how do you justify this is a serious league when all the other teams are two teams with no fans and like, who's going to watch that and who I think they're thinking in the back of my mind, how I see this as a fan of RNYFC is they don't care. They're using this as an experiment and they're like, well, Chicago too has no fans anyway. So no one's even really watching. Let's use this to experiment for Chicago one when it, it shouldn't be like that if you want independent teams. The, the big thing that I think that the league needs to concentrate on that is ultimately going to affect USL very negatively, that they've been helped tremendously by the MLS two sides that hasn't been picked up by anyone, is the fact that the two sides or next or B or whatever the fuck they want to be called are bringing in the youth talent that USL sides are not. The problem is you need to pick up on that. You need to do information about that because we're not going to know that there's a wonderkind on Orlando City B because we don't follow them. And I'm not going to watch a game, watch three games of theirs because I can only watch it at a specific time that it's being aired. But they, the league will know, oh, this player is being tracked for international for Orlando City that's where like what USL was in 2017 when they were talking about all the players going to MLS, they need to pick up on that. I think that's their, that's their move forward. I mean, to use a big name, for example, Beckham's kid plays for inner Miami too. You know, someone people would know coming up with the ranks are going to watch that sort of thing. Something I'll say about RNY to kind of go off this is listening to you guys and kind of getting hyped for the season I was really excited thinking we're going to win this league. Just my mindset was these two teams don't, MLS two teams don't take this seriously, right? They're going to use this like a scrimmage, whereas RNYFC is signing these people to win the league, development players. Um, we're going to go for wins, you know, we're not just out there to scrimmage. But in reality, I think my expectations were almost too high, kind of like I've heard Mike talk about. Um, and that maybe that's just, us needing to settle in because we're fresh and, and you know, a new squad. Uh, I forget that some of these two teams that have been playing in academies are playing together in different leagues for a while. So that was kind of a shock to us when we came out these first two games and seemed a bit disorganized. And you could tell by, as each game's gone on, um, as the game goes on, we feel more settled and get more possession and more creativity as the game goes on. And it feels like it's becoming more structured through each game that comes about. And so I'm feeling good about it and trying to give the league a chance. Um, it's just I thought, here I am, Mike, you had me probably hyped up from listening to Valiant that 
we're going to dominate the league and get another star and another cup here. And in reality, we're kind of like an expansion team, really. And hopefully that changes here in the next month or two. But Well, welcome to the fold of high expectations. So, and, and But in reality, we're one win away from basically only being out of the playoff spot because of goal differential. If we win the home opener, we're right back in the mix. Don't scrap the season just yet. But as far as the league goes, for us, this league is about home games. It doesn't necessarily matter if other teams don't have fans. If we have fans and we sell out home games and we have a great home games and people want to go to those games and watch those games, that's all that matters. We have everything to gain from this league where the two teams are just in it because they were told that they have to be in it. And it's very much club over league right now is from a fan perspective, which is we're in this league because there's was probably there's something that we don't know about, which is it could just be, this is the best place for us to restart right now. It doesn't mean that we're in this league for forever because if it keeps going like this, I can't imagine we're in this league three, four years from now. Yeah. There's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of things that, as we've speculated in, in the, the past, which for any long-term listeners, you know that our speculation is usually wrong. Um, but as we speculated in the past, I think we're the reason why this league happened this year and not next year. I think that's part of the reason why things are being partially half-assed right now. But I do think this is the, this is the league for the future. I just think this year is going to be a little rough. I, I, I'm, I was in the same boat. I was super, super hyped, super, yeah, this was going to be our year. And then, I don't want to say the reality, but when you put 11 players from 11 different backgrounds and all of that with a coach who wasn't there until a month ago, it's going to be a little bit rougher. And I think the other aspect is we played probably the team that is the favorite right now to win the league for the first game. So that's going to cause some panic in the background. Then we played another pretty decent team. Chicago was in ninth above us in 10th. Our next game is against NYCFC2, which is in eighth place. So I think we had a pretty tough schedule to start. We got a good Open Cup game coming up against FC Motown. And just playing more games together, I think we're going to get that much better. Which, by the way, I'm happy about that we we pulled Motown. Because we could sit here and, and discuss the benefits of pulling an MLS team versus an amateur team in this round. But at least from my perspective, I want to make a deep run. I think that's more important than a flash in the pan kind of boost in attendance for one game where an MLS team comes to town. I would rather take, and it's not guaranteed that we're going to beat Motown, but we have more of a chance to beat them than an MLS team, at least right now with how we are, the form that we're in. I would rather have more games to gel more before we see an MLS team. And it's, you know, it's good to think about getting those first games together out of the way as kind of the away team. So, you know, we had three games away um, and here we're going to come for the home opener, gelling together at the right time, hopefully. And I, I do think the home games are going to be a lot different. <laughs> it's going to go from like, you know, no fans at these games to a thousand to fifteen hundred people in a place cheering for our team, our club, and 
I think it will definitely be a home field advantage for us. But yeah, um, as far as drawing FC Motown, I kind of torn as well. It would have been nice to have an MLS team, but it's going to be great if we can pull this victory out to go to the next step. Um, That's going to be more MLS teams in. Um, It's just, I hope we can, I hope we aren't focused on that home opener a few days later and they come together and bring out the victory, you know? I think it looks good. On paper, it's an easier draw than even Lansdowne was, especially considering they made it through after complaining about a sub in like the 79th minute or something. The big thing, too, is that unfortunately, because of just the size of the stadium right now, I still expect that they could expand that later in the season. An MLS side coming here isn't there just isn't that much space for them to be at. So um, I, I will go on my rant that I feel that any side that wants to host it that's the lower division should automatically get the hosting no matter what. If it's Division 4, Division 5, whatever. There's no reason that a Division 1 team should be hosting a Division 4 team in the U.S. Open Cup that no one gives a shit at that level. Um, and it provides so much benefits for the for the lower division side. Well, I think you could probably start that like around now, around three. I don't think you can do that with the initial rounds. But yeah, it, it does, like you said, Stu, it's... It's a benefit, you know. There's another team in town who has DC United coming, and um, while they're not going to play their first team, it's exciting for them to have that coming in, you know. And hopefully, that'll be us next round, you know. Yeah, yeah but, but but to what extent? Because you hype that game up so much, and then you get fucking embarrassed ten nothing in front of your home fans. Like, is it really worth it? I rather have Motown. It's uh. Yeah, just going back to my point, it, the if 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 Motown was willing to spend the six thousand dollars to to host that round, give them the game. I, I love having the game, but there's no reason that I would say that even if like DC United gave that other team all their money from hosting that round, they're going to make more money off of hosting at home. One thought I had, and I you know I don't have any inside info or anything. I'm not a mind reader, but I kind of fear that the owners of RNY are kind of like, crap, they got the home game. Because they're planning so much for April 23rd that this is a couple days before. And we've already kind of had the soft opening and everything. And I think they just want it all out April 23rd. Let's have a sellout. Food trucks, vendors, new merch. And this is just a few days before. And, like, I was trying to tell people last week going to the game, don't have expectations going into this um open cup game you know they're they're not going to be all out it's going to be amazing come april 23rd so that's that's what i'm most excited about and you know I, that was my initial thought is maybe they were like crap you know because it's a couple of days before the big the big game motown game is going to be exactly like how lansdowne was and just like lansdowne we'll make it work we'll do what we do regardless of you know all the extra razzle dazzle around it wednesday 4 20 at 6 p.m right yeah buddy well, the other big thing about the home opener is we finally get to see what the the home kits look like. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I've been loving the mock mock ups that we've got going on on Discord and everything. I'm really interested to see what comes out. You know, is it gonna be that mint? I've been I've been pitching for the mint green. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna be more of a black base, maybe with a hint of mint. I'm hoping they're for sale at the opener there too. And kid sizes, kids. I got two kids. They want they want stuff. Come on. Let's get some kids marching. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious to see if they're only just gonna debut the the home kit as they're wearing them, or if they're just gonna show everything like the aways too. And the all whites that we have now, I wouldn't be surprised if they just hold on to those as a third, because they're not bad. I mean, if you look at them up close, they do have a pattern in them, so I wouldn't mind keeping those. I would actually probably get one. I would get one of the goalkeeper uh, yeah, shirts. So, uh... I, I will say that I, I know that we talked a lot about orange in the preseason with uh, I'll, I'll give Matt a shout out because I mentioned that and I, I'm going to say that was his that was his homage of I'm not making a not making a keeper or not making one of the home kits or the away kits orange, but we'll, we'll do the keeper. I, I really like those. What do they call them? Place placeholder kits, the white ones. I, I think they're missing just a little something. And, you know, I know they're just generic, but. You could have like a little bit of mint in them. Again, back to my hint of mint with some stripes or something. I don't know. Just well, what's interesting about the all white kits is because we have nothing to reference them against. They look just plain and in stock. Yes. But when you put them up against the home kit that comes out and the away kit that comes out, the all white hits different, as the kids say. It it then becomes an on purpose thing, and I do kind of like it. What about what about those white kids with like a uh, some mint shorts or just the numbers? Do the numbers. <laughs> oh, mint. mint numbers, yeah, man. The little black outline. There you go. You can have that one for free. I keep thinking about Girl Scout cookies, like Thin Mints. <laughs> Is that the the so that could be a squad, sponsor? Squad nickname, Thin Mints. Thin Mints, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our scarves will be actually what do you call uh, sashes? Girl Scout sashes. Oh fuck yeah. Our, the secret, the the secret best Girl Scout cookie is the lemonade ones. Nobody yeah. ever gets them, but those are yeah. the best ones. They got like a smaller one out now. Well, the boxes keep getting smaller and pricier. You know, if for some reason the Dworkins or Vardy are listening to this, please. I think the reason we had such a good reception with the season tickets is the pricing. So you know, let's let's keep that going. You know good pricing to the games let's get fans there i was kind of taken back by the open cup prices you know being a midweek game i think the ticket costs were something like 12 13 dollars for this one for this one was 11 50 <laughs> the Lansdowne game was five well i'm talking that's supporters though i don't know what general public is but i uh, yeah, yeah it seems like you know it's like an open cup game against the amateur team well they're not amateur they're mpsl but it should be like five bucks you know it's there's not going to be food trucks or anything there to my knowledge uh not that i know of uh, yeah. but but they they should be having some type of food there because if the game's at six you're basically expecting people to skip dinner to come watch this game at least get a hot dog cart well th- that's my worry is that they are saying oh we had such a good turnout for the season tickets and everything that we can kind of start they're getting greedy I, ho- I hope not i hope i'm wrong i just thought i'd share that thought as a casual fan, hopefully, if, if they make it through, hopefully the the next round the tickets are the same price. Yeah, I mean, I would be okay with that if you're up against like an MLS squad, you know, ten to fifteen dollars. But against FC Motown, you know, I was telling you guys, I'm scheduled to work late that day, and I could I could pull some strings and like get some things turned around. It just seems like a hassle, and I know it's just twelve bucks, but I don't know, it's upsetting. Now I seem like a cheapskate, but I bought two season tickets, so don't 
<laughs> Don't tread on me. All right, Stu, what else you got? Can we talk about flares? Okay. What do you want to talk about? Well, I listened to you guys last week ran on about flares and our boys getting kicked out. And Mike, I know you're passionate about the flares, you know? And I see both sides of your guys' argument, but like I just thought they were like it's dumb to drive six, seven hours and bring flares and not get expected to get kicked out. And maybe that's the old man in me, but like you're alone down there by yourself and you bring out a flare, of course they're gonna target you as the away fan to kick you out. You know, it's just they're gonna get the away fans out. There's already no fans in there. They're gonna say, You already paid us, we're kicking you out. So I guess my argument is I thought it was kind of silly for you guys to argue about that. Um, Stu brought up a good point, though, that it needs to be somehow, you know, structured to where the club can maybe make it safe and have like a designated zone for it. Mike's laughing right now. He's like, yeah. I'm bringing players in so much. Okay. But I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to bring my kid to some of these games. If you throw up a smoke bomb right in front of my kid, like, it's it sucks, you know? Well, that's why we have a specific section where that stuff That's where my happens. season tickets are. Well, if you look at the season ticket, it says right there, <laughs> this is where that stuff happens. That was a choice that you made. And the biggest thing for me is you can't claim to be part of this the world's game and on that same stage like MLS likes to do. When you deny a basic form of expression... That's that's part of the fabric and it's considered a main tenant of support, whether you like it or not. It's as much a soccer thing as the rules of the game itself. It may be kind of a stupid thing to get worked about, worked up about. And I did mention that, like, it might be a stupid thing to fucking get all fucking hot under the collar about. But it opens up a door that robs this sport of what makes it different than anything else. So it starts with smoke bombs. It then goes to banners. And then we're sitting down and golf clapping. Soccer is really, it's the last sport that has any semblance of free speech and expression and has been a nest. Listen to me, Stu. It has been a nest for real social change in a lot of countries. And while smoke bombs aren't necessarily doing all that, they're tied in with it. And you can't cherry pick what you allow and what you don't allow. It's everything or it's nothing. And I'm not going to sit here and let MLS or NFL stadiums neuter what makes this sport special. But I think Stu said it the best is like, you got, if you're going to let it happen, you got to make it safe. You know, like what I'm imagining Mike now is like someone lighting a smoke bomb and the smoke, the wind taking it right into like a family of people and them complaining to the club and being like, I'm not coming back to this game because this is ridiculous. That's never happened. But I'm never happened. I've been lighting off smoke bombs for years. That has never happened once. You know what happens? Everybody in the parking lot goes, you guys are awesome. We're coming back. That's what happened. The the general reveal of smoke bomb didn't really work out, though. Well, that was a powder bomb. That's different. (laughs) Dude, you're going to be tooting a different horn here in a few months. You're becoming a dad and a husband. What do you think the first thing I'm going to teach her is? You pull to the side, not straight up on top. Stu's having an aneurysm. What do you want to say, Stu? Well, we got like two minutes before the uh, recording. It's going to cost me another $4, so. Okay. <laughs> so wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up. No, it, it, it just it, my point about the, the smoke bombs, I, I'm kind of in, in between. It's, it's a slippery slope because this is what the sport's fucking about. We can work with 
individual stadiums because they're they're nervous about their seats being stained or whatever. But there needs to be a spot for this because this is if you're trying to be the world's game, this is part of the world's game. But don't just pretend it doesn't exist. But, but Stu, we're doing like PKs after and and robotic cameras, and you're saying we need to compete with the EFL trophy. And I'm sure that there's robotic cameras somewhere else in the world. I'm sure dude, they're made in dude. China. We are, but, but that's the thing. You can't do those things and then also take away the fan shit. If you're going to have robot cameras that fucking blow and you're going to do PKs instead of ties, you have to allow the other shit. Stu, we're Liverpool fans, right? So yes. we tied Man City this weekend down a point in the standings. How sweet would it have been with that 2 2 draw to go to a shootout? win the shootout and get two points instead of one point, and we'd be even in the standings with Man City, and we'd be up on goal differential. We'd be up by two points, by a point, because we would have won the last game that we played them at Anfield. But yes, that would have been so much better. Because Barras is fucking shit, and he would have skied it into the fucking uh, Man U's stadium. Unless next pro's on to something. Just clean up your smoke bombs. (laughs) End it. And, and it, 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 just make make them vape bombs. It'll be okay. All right, Stu, wrap us up. So we've been the Valiant Thirty Three podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed our wrap up of the Lansdowne Yonkers and Chicago Next Tire Pro B Team wins that we've had, and uh, on to the home opener and on to uh, beating FC Motown. Thanks for listening. I want to say, like, if you like Scott. Tom-